A news story gets shared by a friend on social media, or you catch a tweet that really makes your blood boil. But how do you separate fact from fiction? That's the premise behind Disinformation, a 10-part series from Evergreen Podcasts and Emergent Risk International coming this fall. Tune in to Disinformation wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, don't believe everything you read. If we take the time to look at people, whether we disagree or not, and look for that divine spark that, you know, that, that makes us all the same, and sometimes you have to look really hard, really deep into somebody's eyes, but I promise you, if you take the time, you can find it. And that's heroic. The Village Square, a nervy bunch of liberals and conservatives who believe that disagreement and dialogue make for a good conversation, a good country, and a good time. At the Village Square, we talk about politics, religion, and race. You know, the topics your mom taught you never to discuss in polite company. Listen, at the Village Square, we make pigs fly. Welcome to Village Squarecast. This is Vanessa Rouse. Thanks for joining us for Wanted a Few Civic Heroes with the God Squad. In celebration of the Village Square's determination this year to celebrate what's working and worth emulating in a world in which so much seems broken, the God Squad is here to consider our fellow humans who have behaved heroically during these challenging times. But beware, one person's hero might be another's villain in these divisive times. Funding for this program was provided through a grant from Florida Humanities with funds from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Father Tim Holita of St. Thomas More Co-Cathedral will be facilitating the discussion today. So let's get on with the show. Father Tim, over to you. Hello. All right. Hi. Um, I'm Father Tim. I'm the rector of the Co-Cathedral of St. Thomas More, as, as already said. And I want to just, we'll begin by introducing ourselves, each of our panelists. Good afternoon. I am uh, Judy Mandrell. I am the co-pastor of Life Changes Church of God in Christ and also the host of the Real Talk with Judy live radio show. And I am honored to be here with everyone today. Thank you. Welcome. I am uh, Stephanie Posner, some people call me Mora Stephanie, from Temple Israel, Tallahassee, and I'm the Education and Music Director there, and this is not my first God Squad, but I'm excited to be back. Gary Schultz, I'm the Senior Pastor here at, at First Baptist. We're very excited to have God Squad back in person, looking forward to the, to the discussion. I'm Brant Copeland. I'm a teaching elder in the Presbyterian Church USA, and for 35 years I was pastor of First Presbyterian around the corner. They let me park in their parking lot this afternoon, so that was great. All right, great. Well, it's, it's exciting to begin a new season, 13 years. I remember, I think it was 10 years ago, I, went, I participated in my first one of these as a, as a guest panelist. Uh, it was right before the election in 2012, I remember, and I took a whole lot of fire from it. I came out. I'm still here. 
So somehow convinced me to, to keep doing this. So it was a lot of fun. Um, so I've always enjoyed doing this. So it's exciting to be starting again and, of course, to be in person. And hopefully that will continue as long as we're doing this, right? We don't have to go, hopefully we don't have to live through something like that again in our lifetime. Uh, but today we're talking about uh, heroes um, and heroism and the need that, that, we, that we have for, for heroes in our culture today and, and the, the times that we're living in. And, you know, this is, you think at first glance, it's like, this isn't a difficult topic, right? Uh, this is a really easy kind of topic, but really it can be, depending on who your heroes are and what, how, you, how you think of what a hero is, it can be actually maybe a little confrontation or, or controversial. So to start our uh, conversation, I want to just ask each panelist just to kind of give us kind of a sense. We use the word hero a lot. We think that we'd all have the same idea what a hero is, but we may not. And so just to sort of define in our own words, our own thoughts, our own ideas, what is heroism? What does it mean to be heroic? What is a hero? What does it mean to be a hero to you? So I will say I am not one of those people who believes that you can either like the Marvel Universe or the DC Universe. I happen to love them both. And uh, Captain America and the Green Lantern have always been my favorite heroes. Um, although one has been very public about their, their identity and one has been sort of quiet. Um, but I think about the heroes that I truly think are the most impactful, and those are the folks that stand up for what is right for people, and they do behind you know, the, the, the costume, and they don't need the recognition for the help and the saving of the folks that they, they do. Yeah, I, I would say a hero, there are a couple of elements. One is service to some idea or other people. The other is risk. Uh, and courage is involved, but, but it's, it's, uh, it's not because of the courage of someone, it's, the, it's their dedication to the cause and the, and the service in the context of peril to themselves. I mean, to build on that, I mean, when I think of heroes, I, I think of words like, you, you said risk, I think of, of sacrifice. I mean, that's that, that other-centeredness. We often confuse heroism today with celebrity, assuming that just because someone has notoriety that they must be heroic in some sense. If you look at surveys of who people choose to serve heroes, more than half tend to say one of three categories, great athletes, musicians, or actors. And again, it's not that you can't have great achievements in those fields, but we can easily see how we tend to conflate heroism with celebrity. I think true heroism, is, there's a humility to it. There's, your, there's an every, not just an everyday aspect, but a going out of your way in the ordinary, in the everyday of, of life to pour yourself into someone else, to sacrifice for someone else, to make a difference in someone else's life, I, I think that is, is where true heroism is found. And to that point, with it, what everyone is saying, Whitney Houston wrote a song a long time ago, and it said that there's a hero inside of you. And as I look in the audience and I, I think about it, um, to me, a hero is just an everyday person who in the face of danger or adversity put themselves at risk 
or make it so others can live um, better. I think of an old lady that I knew had nine children and she could take one sweet potato pie. She only had a fifth grade education, but she could take that sweet potato pie, cut it equally and feed all those children. To me, that's what a hero is who can take a pie and feed everybody. It's a, I think, and I, I looked up, you know, what is the, what is like the textbook definition of what a hero is? And it said something along the lines, very simply, it's, it's somebody, a heroic act or someone who's a hero, somebody who performs actions that are sacrificial and selfless um, in accord with like a particular value, right? So they're, they're recognizing a sort of value or a cause or something like that. And I think we kind of heard that echoed here. And they're willing to give of themselves and willing to be selfless or sacrificing uh, in the service of this particular value or this particular cause. So that mile kind of wanted to share or invite everyone to share uh, maybe who a hero in their life is. And it could be somebody from the past. Or it could be somebody living today and give them uh, a chance to do that. I, I'll start. Um, my, my hero, I'm 63 years old. And thank you. <laughs> I, I felt that. It's, she don't even look 63. <laughs> I appreciate that. I felt that. But um, it's really my mom. My mom. My mom. My dad has passed. But they were my hero. I never looked outside of my home uh, at a celebrity, an actress, or anyone, even though I have some that I admire. My mom is my hero. Um, we've had six children. Well, they had six children. And um, I've always thought I was rich. Uh, they taught us to give to the less fortunate. Uh, but they didn't call them less fortunate. And they taught us how to love and serve people. I thought I was so rich until I would take my mom's clothes and give it to the people in the project because I thought we were rich. That's what I saw them do. Until this day, that's what I do right now. Uh, it's all in me because to me, she was the essence of everything beautiful, everything that I believe God wants us to be and give. She's 83, and uh, I flew home another day just to visit her because to me, she epitomized the sacrifice. She epitomized the giving of herself, and they taught us to do that. So my mom really is my hero. Shiro, whatever you want to call it. Well, uh, I'm going to choose an historical figure, but I think this person has application to our current situation. Uh, and my hero I want to talk about is Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran uh, theologian and pastor born in 1906. A brilliant academician. He finished his doctorate at the age of 24 and was too young to be ordained in the Lutheran church in Germany. So he did study in America and uh, in that process began to think about the Christian faith from the bottom up more than from the top down. Of course, as he was growing older, uh, the Nazi party was rising uh, in Germany. In 1932, uh, there was something organized called the German Christian faith movement. It was strongly anti-Semitic. It encouraged the removal from the Christian Bible of the Old Testament and the letters of the Apostle Paul. 
on the grounds that they were too Jewish. And then a couple of years later, the National Lutheran Church adopted what was called the Arian paragraph, uh, which effectively removed from the church any leaders who were deemed to have Jewish ancestry. Uh, in response to that, a group of pastors, including Martin D. Moeller, uh, got together and wrote what's called the Barman Declaration, the Theological Declaration of Barman. And it said, the church is not subordinate to the state, and the word and spirit of God is not subordinate to the church. And the reason I think this is important is a kind of reformed Christian uh, principle that, that human beings tend toward idolatry and tyranny. And we need checks and balances to address that, uh, that direction. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, continued to work against the Nazification of the church. He was removed from his academic position. He continued to do ecumenical work. And then I think in 1943, he was arrested. He was in prison for a year and a half. And on April the 9th, 1945, uh, at the Flossenburg concentration camp, he was executed, having been convicted in a kangaroo court of taking part in uh, an assassination plot, a plot to assassinate uh, Adolf Hitler. This is why I think Bonhoeffer is uh, appropriate. There is in America the rise of the so-called national Christianity, the national uh, Christian national nationalist movement, which has similarities, it seems to me, to what happened in Germany. It focuses on the church as the privileged uh, religion of the country, the established religion, and defines Christianity in terms of political issues such as immigration, abortion, things like that. And it is identified, I think it's faith, faith to say, with a particular political party and its uh, leadership. I think that's a chilling uh, development in American culture, and I think Beatrice Bonhoeffer is a, is a witness to what can happen when we forget our human tendency toward tyranny and idolatry. And I, I just build on that. Read Bonhoeffer's Life Together or Cost of Discipleship, both excellent, excellent works. I mean, I, as a Christian, I mean, I hear the term hero, and I automatically go back to Jesus Christ. And I, and I, and I don't do that just as a, a kind of cliche. One of the things that has always been the most attractive to me about Jesus Christ is how he brings together every moral virtue and perfection into himself. He, he exemplifies what we've been talking about as he came to, to serve, not to be served, as he gave his life a ransom for, for many. And I, building on that, to go to human examples of, of heroism, trying to think in particular as, as a Baptist, I mean, some of those who have, have stuck out to me, I think of a John Bunyan who... In, in, in the midst of a culture and society where if you didn't preach and gather and do church according to the dictates of the state, you were an outlaw, was willing to say, no, 
We must follow the dictates of God. We must follow his word as we understand it. And Bunyan had a young family. Would have been easy for him to, to go along with those mandates. And it said, said I won't take ordination in the, the Church of England. I will do church as I understand it from the word of God, went to prison for that. It was while he was in prison that he wrote the work Pilgrim's Progress, uh, which is another book that I'd encourage you all to, to read, uh, an excellent work. And I think that exemplifies, again, what is heroism? Heroism is willing to say, we're going to do right even if nobody else agrees with it because it is right. There is a right and wrong. There is a truth and not truth. And we are to be people of truth, people of right, people of good, people of morality, people of courage and conviction, even if no one else is, for not just for ourselves, but for the benefit of, of others. And that is heroism to me. So I think of, I feel fortunate to have had many heroes, I believe. You know, as, as a person of Jewish faith, I can tell you, you know, Moses has got to be probably one of the top for um, leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. Um, there's also Hannah Senesh, who he, she had escaped the war um, and made it to Palestine and had arrived there safely and was writing poetry and had, was living a beautiful life and knew that she had a beautiful life, but so many others were struggling and were going to be murdered. And she joined a group of people who trained as spies and she parachuted back into Hungary. Um, unfortunately, she was um, captured, actually she, back into Germany. She was originally from Hungary. And when she was captured and held prisoner and beaten and tortured and beaten and tortured over and over and over again and never said a word and unfortunately died a very young woman, um, only about 30, I believe. But her words live on, and we've actually um, embraced them into our liturgy. There's a poem that she wrote, Eli Eli, oh Lord, my God, I pray that these things never end, the crash of the water, the, the prayer of the heart, all of these beautiful things. And so for me, she is probably one of the most heroic people I can think of because she gave her life for other people. Uh, as you know, many, many Jews did not survive the Holocaust, um, but her words live on and give so many of us these feelings of comfort. We, we are drawn to them in times of, of sorrow and in, and in great need, and I would say Hannah Senesh. Oh, can I say one more thing? I'm sorry. Sure, please, please. <laughs> sorry, I told you I had a big mouth. So this, there's also more than one person, but an organization that, to, to me, I find very heroic, um, sort of building upon what we're talking about with tyranny. Um, but there's an organization called the Religious Action Center, which is an arm of the reform movement. Um, and they actually gather people and they, they lobby for human rights. Not political rights, but human rights. Um, and I think I, I can look at each one of you and say we probably have the same idea of what human rights are. 
um, based on our faith tradition. And I think it's really important that the Religious Action Center does what they do and their organizer, um, the, the leader, uh, Rabbi Jonah Dove Pesner, does an incredible job. And I would say because of the RAC and the other organizations that they started with in the 60s, um, the Voting Rights Act came to pass. So I'd say they're heroes too. What's going on with this? Um, I, I would like to share just one. Now, my mom is here, so I have to say my mother, obviously. Oh, yeah. is, you know, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's my mom. Hello, mom. You're my hero, mom. And Jesus, of course, right? Is, is a pastor. I'm a priest, so I have to say that. But another, I tried to think of somebody else as well, uh, that historical. And then for me, one of the one that always stands out in my mind is, is a saint by the name of Maximilian Kolbe. He was a priest. In Poland, he was a Franciscan priest. He was a missionary. He traveled the world. He did a lot of interesting things, and, and he was a very uh, fascinating character. Um, but he got arrested by the Nazis and, and put in Auschwitz, and f for the reason of he was harboring and sheltering uh, Jewish people. And th the fact that that his his heroism there, putting himself at risk uh, to to save others who weren't even of his own faith, uh, to me is something that I think kind of is a universal thing that we can all admire. Um, and then, but the, the reason everyone knows of this man, th those who know him, um, is because of what happened at Auschwitz. He, there was some people had escaped, and the way that they would punish and deter other people from trying to escape is they would select randomly people who would then be placed in a starvation bunker and starve to death over a period of several days. And so Maximilian uh, was there, and they had lined everybody up, and they went through choosing the people who would, who would meet this, this really horrific way to die. It's one of the worst ways to die. And this man had been chosen and basically began to beg for mercy from the guards, saying, you know, he had a family um, and so on. Please don't take me. And uh, Maximilian stood up, uh, took his place, basically offered to take his place and go into the starvation bunker. And, and he was down there with uh, people who were Christians, people who were Jewish, and led them in prayer and encouraged them uh, with songs and, and so on in the midst of this darkness. And so for me, uh, the, the great act of selflessness, I mean, he literally gave his life um, for another person, someone he probably didn't even know, uh, who was present at his canonization years later uh, when he was canonized by John Paul II. It's just a, what a beautiful, to me, an image again of that sacrifice and selflessness that transcends his ideology, it transcends his religion even, in a certain sense, like whether this person was a Christian or a Jew, made no difference to him, it was a human being. Um, so I want to throw out there, because this is, Brand raised a, a, an interesting uh, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but you also mentioned uh, the Christian nationalism, uh, this, this idea, and, and I, I think this is where things get interesting um, in terms of our discussion on heroes, because as you said that and, and received an applause from our, from our people here today or an approval of what you said, um, if we were in a different context, you may have been booed. And if somebody who is a leader in that movement in a different context might be seen as a hero of that movement. And that's what raises suddenly this question, is, is it are our heroes just our heroes because they agree with us? Are they our heroes uh, because they happen to align with our, our political beliefs and so on? Um, I could give a lot of examples that have been very fascinating for me to watch in the last two years of different events that have taken place. And depending on which team you're on determines how you respond to it, either aghast and horrified or supportive and okay with it. So depending on which side, and both sides, uh, if you want to say left or right, I find are guilty of this all the time. 
And so that kind of raises this issue. How do we then, I mean, is that, does that influence how we view our heroes? Is there something that transcends our ideology? Is there something that transcends our beliefs? As, as uh, Dr. Copeland said, we tend towards idolatry, right? We tend towards tyranny. How do we then overcome that, even when we're talking about heroes? How do we see a hero um, and recognize that as Braveheart, one of my favorite movies, right? It starts off, history is written by those who've hung heroes. In other words, often the way history is portrayed to us is by those who won, right? And the, those who were villains in history were heroes to somebody else. How do we then really see heroes? And is there a way to, to, to grab that or to see that or to recognize that? Well, I think it's, uh, and I'm not suggesting you're being cynical, but I think it is cynical just to point out that as a uh, phenomenon, some people have heroes different from other people. And it's not just ideology that's at stake here. One's faith forms one's ideology and one's political convictions. So I think we are talking about moral issues that, that are transcendent. And I think they need to be evaluated uh, on, those, uh, on those principles. Uh, I'm going to take a step, and you can pull the plug on me if you like. Uh, I think bounding up traumatized people on an airplane and putting them in Martha's Vineyard and dumping them without any resources is immoral uh, from a Christian perspective. And that has, I think it was done for political motivations, but I don't think it's, it, we should let ourselves off the hook by saying, well, other people would consider that an heroic action. I don't consider it a heroic action. I consider it an immoral action. And I, I think uh, it, it's not just team. It's, it's, it's putting your faith where your life is. Can I just add to that point? I, I think to even get deeper into it, while some people might consider that a heroic act, if you listen to the words of what the people say, right? So the words of the governor were, there's these democratic states, and I'm not trying to, I, I just think this part of the word is what's really important. Let them see what it's like to have these people dumped on their doorway. So to me, that's not heroic. That's, I don't have another word other than nasty, but that, that's not coming from a place of morality or ethics or wanting better for people. That's a, let me stick it in your nose now, right? See how you like it. That's well, let's, let's, yeah, well, let's, I mean, I don't think anyone's making an argument that that's heroic. Um, no one suggested that. I, I think more of the question is, um, how is it that you define something her heroic? You brought up your principles, or you said your faith. But, but, and this is where I want to push back a little bit. You say it as if, and, and we often talk like this, as if we're all in agreement. But we're not. We're not. So... This is where I think the challenge comes in, right? And I think we have to be bold enough and honest enough to recognize that not everybody has the same values and the principles that we have. Yeah, the problem is just saying that people have different values doesn't address the issue. Using people as pawns for a political agenda is immoral across the board. 
you don't use human beings as uh, widgets to achieve your political aims. I think that's a universal moral uh, principle. And I think it's been violated in the case that I'm citing. Uh, but just saying that other people have a different opinion doesn't help. It, it doesn't help those people, and it doesn't help us discern how we're going to shape our society. And I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking about it, Dr. Copeland and, and everyone. I agree with you 100%. I think in choosing our heroes or the way some choose, it has to, you, you got to look at people as valuable. I saw that Dr. Copeland and my tears welled up, my eyes welled up, simply because I thought that these are human, women and children. And so when you look at heroes, you look at who's going to make a difference? Who's going to help? How could we provide something? To me, that's what heroes do. And you mentioned about the athlete and, and all of that. A lot of the children in the black community looks, look up to uh, some of the athlete and, and uh, the actors. It's a way of escape to a better life. And so they look at it like, that's my hero. I'm going to get out. I'm, I'm going to make it better for my parents. I'm going to make it better for my community. And so they look at those as heroes. One of the things I do all the time, because I got this from my mom and my dad, to get people to look at heroes in your home, in, in, in your neighborhood, in your community, and redefine it that a hero, single parents to me are some of the greatest heroes. They can make that family work. Some don't, don't have to worry about it, you know? We, a lot of us not going to have to worry about being sent off anywhere. We have homes. We got water. We got this. But then as a hero, as I stated earlier, there's one inside of all of us. What are we going to do to help? Who, who are you going to show that heroic attribute to? Harriet Tugman? That's my girl. You know? Why? Because she said, you're going to be free or I'm going to kill you. Right? And so what she, what she did, she risked her life. But that's how I see my mom. And I keep going back to my mom simply because that's what they taught us. She, raised, she did daycare 45 years. 45 years. She has five streets named after her in Fort Lauderdale and Broward County. Right? So many senators and stuff. But she taught us, you help somebody else. To me, that's a hero. That's coward. It's, it's coward when you, to me. Coward to see when you use people. To, for whatever, that's, that's not a hero to me, in my perspective. Well, and that and, goes back to the importance of, I mean, absolutely, there is a universal morality. I don't think anybody on this panel would disagree with that. We also recognize how that's lived out isn't always consistent, or, or even what those values are isn't always agreed upon, which goes back to the need to to find adequate, good models of what that looks like. And that, that's what heroes, in, in that sense, and that's why I struggle with, and, and even in thinking about the, the overall topic, it's really struggle to come up with a definition of a civic hero in a contemporary sense, because the heroes that we need aren't necessarily known. They are pouring into people. They are making an actual difference in the lives of other people. When we think political, we tend to go big picture first when what 
is most meaningful politically is going to be on the, the local level. And I believe we had a panel discussion that, that saw through that here in, in God Squad here in the, the recent past. And to recover that mindset of making sure that we are, are good examples of what these heroic qualities are, but of pointing people in our lives to good examples of what those heroic qualities are that they can actually see and emulate and begin to believe. And I think that that's what makes a difference, starts to make a difference big picture. So I think in, in what Father Tim was saying about, you know, we have different perspectives, different opinions. We're all sitting up here with different faith backgrounds, right? Um, but I can sit here and say that I see heroes every day in different denominations. Um, Catholic charities for a start. The, the folks that volunteer and work at Catholic charities are amazing. Lutheran Mission Society, the RAC, Humanist, right here in Tallahassee, Humanist of Tallahassee, we've actually at Temple Israel joined together with them to do programs to help people because it's about crossing those lines. It doesn't matter what our, our backgrounds are. We all care about people and we don't have to have the big names out there. Nobody needs to know our name. We just do what we need to do and we do it together. Uh, I appreciate the, the locality emphasis. Uh, I can think of a couple of examples. Uh, Will, Wilhelmina uh, Jenkins and uh, Carrie Patterson, Wilhelmina Jackson, Carrie Patterson, two FAMU students who refused to give up their seats in 1956 and started the bus boycott. I think of a man named Metz Rollins who was uh, the, the organizing uh, pastor of a little ch Presbyterian church near the FAMU campus, he got involved in the civil rights movement and the white Presbyterians told him, stop or we'll withdraw our financial support for your church. He didn't stop and the church, uh, the, the funds were withdrawn and yet he carried on. He was uh, an orderly uh, in, at night uh, at, at the hospital uh, t to make ends meet. And I think of a man named uh, Davis Thomas, who in 1956 came to be pastor of First Presbyterian Church. When students went through uh, the downtown churches trying to integrate worship, many were turned away at the door, some by armed deputies uh, of the downtown churches. And when they came to First Presbyterian, Davis met with the deacons and he said, if you do not seat these people who come to worship God, I will walk out of the service. The service was on the radio at the time. That's a lot of dead air that was in. <laughs> Davis had five children at that, at that point, five young children, and he risked his vocation, his job, his future to make a stand like that. So I think there are people like that, unsung heroes, who are all over. I want to say just one, uh, that I, when I was thinking about what are heroes in our current context, and I think they're unsung, and we've, we've highlighted them, I think, in certain media things, but are really the people who, who the medical workers in the last couple years. I think for people to, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, which was the scariest time, and we didn't know what we were really dealing with, uh, those people to get up every day and go to work, and I remember when I went into a COVID uh, section in the hospital once to anoint someone who, who was dying, and I, and I remember feeling a little bit of the nervousness of like, oh, well, I'm about to, you know, about to 
get up in some COVID right now, right, and be all in there. But these nurses were there every day, and they were helping me get gowned up and do all the stuff I needed to do. And I thought, you know, it really put me at ease in some ways, too. Like, okay, well, these, these folks are living this every day for 12 hours a day when they're here at work. And they're not broadcasted. They're not celebrities. You know, we, we say things like we're, we're grateful for them or whatever. But every day, these people who are right in the midst of us, uh, who were putting themselves, putting their lives on the line, basically, um, in the face of a virus that they didn't, we didn't understand, didn't have a cure for. I mean, I thought that was a, a beautiful example of heroism right there in our midst. Well, I think we've lost a sense that th- that kind of ordinary faithfulness, that kind of ordinary, consistent morality is heroic. And, and yet it is when, when you selflessly are a teacher consistently and, and do that job well, when you look to serve your community and fulfill your vocation as a citizen selflessly, when you are a parent, a mother, a father, and, and you're giving your life, those are heroic acts. We need those kind of models. We need to highlight that kind of life. We need to encourage one another to live that kind of life. And of course, as people of faith, we recognize that your faith is the, the motivation, the anchor, the purpose, the meaning, the goal of those things. I want to turn it. Um, it's time for questions, audience participation. I'm sure people. I just ask that we try to keep it on our topic and um, and uh, not use it as your soapbox to rail against the governor or the president or whomever. Okay. When I think of a hero, I think of um, the people that are getting the Medal of Honor and they stand there and say, I don't know why I'm giving this. I, I'm just, I just did my job. And it's a humble humility and the person that doesn't think of anything else other than to move forward when someone needs help. That's great, yeah, absolutely. We had a, um, there was, in the dead space here, I'll say, but there was a Marine uh, officer named uh, Lieutenant Bobo uh, we had a chow hall named after him at Officer Candidate School. And it turns out that he was uh, found out from another person. He was a Catholic who used to get on his, his uh, Marines case for cussing. And uh, their foul language was just, he'd be, he'd be getting on their case a lot, let's just say. And, um, but apparently during in Vietnam, you know, he basically sacrificed his life uh, for the sake of his men. And it was only then that they kind of realized that he wasn't just a goody two-shoes or something, but that he actually really loved them, but was in that act of selflessness there that, that his true character showed. Yesterday, too, there was uh, an employee at Chick-fil-A who saw a woman and her child about to get into the car, and she was being hijacked, and he thought nothing of it and jumped in and, and caught the guy and saved that woman in her car. That, that's heroic. Were you talking about the refugee situation? We in this city are very fortunate to have some real heroes in the International Rescue Committee. We, have, we are one of two places in Florida that has an International Rescue Committee team, and we have already accepted people from a variety of war-torn nations, and they bring the people in, they have uh, apartments set up for them, and then they ask us to come in and help with furnishings, with food, with all. We have many opportunities to help. And one of my heroes is Chrissy Ray Stanton at um, Killarne United Methodist, who goes out of her way and out of her comfort zone repeatedly to assist um, the current group, Afghan and Syrian refugees, to 
get involved in our community and to be comfortable in a very difficult situation. I can't imagine being dropped in a country where I know, not only do I not spoke, speak the language, I don't know how to do anything. Get a job, ride the bus, use the money, turn the oven on. You don't have to build a fire in it. You, it, you know, th there's no experience in that for some people, not all. But these are some local heroes that we have an opportunity to work with and see, and the people who go and, and set up furniture, and there are just all kinds of opportunities for this, but we do have some local heroes along those lines. I wish the, the people had been able to come here because I think they would have seen that um, evidenced in the way that we have uh, set up. Thank you. Can, can we plug the IRC? Because if you are a member of a congregation or not a member of a congregation, or if you're part of a humanist or atheist group, you can too become a home team from the IRC. In fact, our congregation is a home team. And one of the biggest heroes of my life is a woman named Wendy Sokolo, because Wendy not only helped to organize one family, she said, Oh, there's another one. We're going to figure them out, too. And so, you know, and, and Wendy is selfless completely. She and her husband, and there's other people, the Novi family. I, I could go on and on and on and on, and I think many of us can say we're grateful that we have that kind of heroism in our congregation. Uh, just for interest, I'm on the board at TMH, and TMH has hired several of the folks uh, from that organization, and they make wonderful employees. What do you know? <laughs> About six months ago, um, on my radio show, I put out on Facebook, and I'm probably going to do it to the churches next time I did it to the Facebook, and that's for unsung heroes. I wanted people to give people because sometimes we don't know them. And my show, I did it for about um, maybe five months because I come on on Tuesdays. I brought on four at a time in Tallahassee. So many people in this city are respected for so many different reasons. And I didn't know a lot of them. I, I didn't know most of them. But there was one lady who brought in her 12-year-old son as her hero. She was diagnosed with dementia, um, with cancer in the breast, the lungs, and in her uterus. Sometimes he missed school to take care of her. And sometimes he rubs her legs and her back and to help her um, be comfortable. She brought him in. Well, we were able to raise $5,000 to give to him as a caretaker for his mom. And he cried. And she said what he did with that $5,000, he brought her a recliner that would help her sit up even more. Those are heroes that we have to, that we have to really um, look at. And I know y'all probably say, she keep talking about the family because I believe if we can see heroic action in our families, we'll bring it to our communities. We'll bring it to our churches. We'll bring it to our schools. I believe that, that if we do that, we'll, have, we'll see a whole bunch of different heroes right here among us. And we don't have to look way to Harriet Tugman, but we can look right here in the city and see a whole lot of heroes who have helped us. I'd say Dr. Mandrell's a hero. <laughs> I'd say you're a hero. You have a radio show. You teach people to dream and to have faith, and you care about people. I think you're a hero. 
<laughs> to God be the glory for real. And I, I and no, honestly. <laughs> but, um, and I believe it's, I, I tell people that I believe we all do. If Jesus is really in us, and I've talked with Stephanie, or, uh, and I'm learning, I, I want to learn other religion. I do. Because uh, sometimes we spend so much time fighting what we don't understand and then instead of celebrating all these beautiful people, you know. I'm cogent. I'm Church of God in Christ. We dance, we shout, we run, we scream, we holler. I can y'all cheer, y'all probably say, sit down, Judy, you know. But um, I think as we understand each other, it works well. So Stephanie, I do, she, taught me, she taught me some languages. So thank you. Is that something, another, something just to throw out there is how, how do we, we talk about here, how do we live that or how do we actualize that? And I don't know if you all have heard that the uh, Queen Elizabeth died. Did you hear about that? <laughs> okay, of course you did. All right. So I, I, I was, uh, I was kind of, I'm kind of fascinated by, by the, and I'm not saying anything, commenting on her at all. I'm just saying, I just kind of fascinated. Like, wow, we're so interested in this whole thing and the royal family. It's, it seems it's all over the media and it's very interesting so I was kind of looking up that people consider her, Queen Elizabeth II, a hero. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Why is she a hero? So I started trying to, to look, and maybe someone can inform me later um, what she did that was heroic, that is where we've defined it. But something I found very interesting is that she was admired, it seems, by, by many, most, right? There might be some who criticize her or whatever. Um, but one thing that I found very interesting is, does anybody know what her political viewpoints were? No. I find that very interesting. She was extremely private about that. And she worked with people on both sides of the aisle in, in England, uh, both sides of their, uh, their different parties and their different viewpoints. And maybe she shared those perhaps very privately. But I think there's something that in, in that, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be political, but I think there's something very fascinating about that, that she was somehow able to transcend the division and the rhetoric and everything that we can sometimes, even Christian ministers or non-Christian ministers can get swept up in is this sort of culture of, of fighting and rhetoric and divisiveness and so on. And so I want to propose to you all just is at least something I was kind of pondering preparing for this was how do we actualize this? I'm going to say something maybe a little controversial here, but I, I really think that if we want to be heroes in, in, a, in a real small way, maybe in our own life, is to really try to understand, and I mean not just pay lip service, but to really understand and not view as enemies the people who disagree with us. So this this example, and I and I will say I don't I and I'll say this I'll, I think I can say this publicly is I don't I don't I think it's a horrible thing to treat human beings any any other way than human beings, right? And so whatever political points are trying to be scored there at these folks with Martha's Vineyard or whatever. Yeah, I, I think these are human beings, as we've already said that, okay? That being said, we have to try to understand, if we're going to be, if we're just going to join in with the news media and everything else and the current trends, we have, there are a group of people who thought that was a good idea. There's a group of people who have an inch or some kind of gripe or something. They're, they're actually legitimately upset about something else that's going on. And if we don't try to understand that, then this divisiveness and fighting and so on just continues. It's easy to just pin them as evil. It's easy to pin them as wrong and, and I'm righteous and so on. It's heroic to set aside my viewpoints and to set aside my beliefs and try to really enter into what somebody else believes and try to understand what it is that they're upset about. That's how dialogue, I think, can happen. And I think that's the way that we could all perhaps be heroic. So I want to invite, I'm sorry, yeah. you want to say something? Yeah. 
Well, you're talking about empathy, and I think that's very important. But I don't think having empathy for people with whom you disagree is the same thing as proceeding as though their opinion doesn't, uh, proceeding as though they are on, on the same equal plane. Uh, I, I think it's very important to, to have empathy for people to understand where they're coming from. And if the conversation is, if they're open to the conversation, to enter into dialogue to try to achieve some kind of uh, consensus. I think that's very appropriate. That's not always able to be achieved. And I'm certainly not saying that people who disagree with me are evil. I think part of the problem is this dualistic way of looking at the world, um, which is a, is a very unreformed idea because from the Calvinistic perspective, everybody's totally depraved <laughs> and the, all human motivations are mixed and tainted by the fall, tainted by sin. So yeah, I completely can agree that, that uh, empathy is important. And yet empathy doesn't help very much if it doesn't move toward compassion. And compassion is empathy in action and, and seeing people, even people that we disagree with deeply and being willing to see them as human beings created in the, the image of God and worthy of a, a dignity and respect. That is a heroic act, I believe, in, in our culture when we so easily dismiss the worth, dignity, uh, purpose, meaning of so many other people simply because they don't fit our preconceived idea of who they ought to be. I'm so glad that you spoke first because I was actually going to say almost the same thing. <laughs> but we say in Judaism that we are all created a B'Tselem Elohim in the image of God. And that doesn't just mean the face. It means who you are as a person, your beliefs and everything. And so if we take the time to look at people, whether we disagree or not, and look for that divine spark that, you know, that, that makes us all the same. And sometimes you have to look really hard, really deep into somebody's eyes. But I promise you, if you take the time, you can find it. And that's heroic. I uh, <clears throat> am working with an Afghan family, and I'm not going to share his name out of protection for his family, but he was a military advisor to our commanders in uh, Kabul uh, during the occupation there. And his wife currently, um, and he does speak some English, and we we brought him here, and um, I drove 270 miles uh, for a immigration appointment, and they wouldn't allow me to help her because um, she had to give me permission, and the immigration officers don't speak Farsi, and so I said. The gentleman that's in there that made his appointment, he's a hero, and he speaks English. Couldn't you hire him? Right now he's um, working as a meat cutter, you know, and he's got a lot of skills. He could help his folks um, get legal status. And so 
that was a wasted trip because I only had one. So I'm taking another, I'm taking the wife over. I had to deal with the telephone. I, over the telephone, I said, please help her, okay? She, she can't speak English. And, she, and the officer said, again, I have to get permission. And I said, she's sitting right next to me. Go ahead and ask for permission. And, and they couldn't do it. And I said, the mere fact that I drove from Tallahassee over here might be a logical event that I have their trust. And so I was able to get them on an appointment. But I'm just curious how we process immigrants here in Tallahassee for a pathway to citizenship when the immigration's officers don't even speak the same language. Well, I don't know if I have time to answer that, nor do I think I could. I don't know if, um, yeah, the, the, the immigration system is certainly a, a, a labyrinth, um, to put it nicely. Uh, it's, it's, I, I have a seminarian from Nigeria uh, studying for us. I tried to get him a social security card Twice we had to go down there. They wanted proof of employment. You can't get employed without a social security number. It was wild, right? So then we got it all done. He gets down to the seminary. He can't get on our insurance or anything else because they misspelled his name on his card. And so he went back to the office and like, well, we need this letter. We need that letter. It's, it's a mess. You know, it's enough to make you cuss. And um, I won't do that in front of you all. Okay? Only in private. Uh, we're, we're coming to the end. We're going to finish promptly here right now. And I just want to thank our panelists. I want to thank all of you for being here. And again, just encourage all of us just to, to pray about, you know, to think about what it is to be a hero. How can we live that? How do we live that in our own self? How do we live that in our relationships with others? And we'll see you next month. Thank you. Hey there, it's Vanessa chiming back in. Well, the God Squad has done it again. They've managed to make me think really hard about some things that used to seem so simple. They are my true heroes for being willing to engage in civil discourse during a time when you can so easily be punished or canceled for even questioning the popular narrative of the day. And in this divided climate, people are even facing backlash for just reaching out across the aisle to try to bridge divides. So really, I consider every single one of these faith leaders a hero. One other thought that I'm having right now from listening to this program, it's about the big and very justifiable feelings that we have when political leaders play games that impact other people. And so here's what I see that goes on between our fellow Americans when that stuff happens. We take all the things that we can't stand about the political leader and we transfer those actions and those words down to the people of that party as if all those people would have said and done the exact same thing. While at the same time, we give our own party's political leaders a pass for the political games they play. We learned from Dr. Rob Willer in our last podcast episode that the main reason that we give a pass to our own side is because changing sides is out of the question. So here's where I am on this bridge building journey. I've learned that the reasons someone votes the way that they do are way, way more complex than I ever imagined before. 
So I'm trying to separate my feelings about the politicians from my feelings about my neighbors, my fellow Americans who vote differently from me. And this alone has made me a whole lot happier and more open and more understanding. All right, time to wrap it up. To stay up to date on everything happening at the Village Square, subscribe to our newsletter at villagesquare.us. While you're there, please consider becoming a member by clicking on that donate link on the top. Our members help us deliver excellent programming to you year-round, and you can join this fabulous group of devoted Americans for just $7 a month or $76 a year. And we also have business memberships for $250. You can go to villagesquare.us slash donate to join today. Funding for this program was provided through a grant from Florida Humanities with funds from the National Endowment for the Humanities. We are grateful to them for their support. We appreciate you listening to Wanted a Few Civic Heroes with the God Squad. Until next time, we challenge you to reach out with an open heart and mind to someone who doesn't look or think like you. It changes everything. We'll talk to you soon, and thank you so much for listening to Village Squarecast. When election season rolls around, it's easy to get distracted by the candidates, the polls, and the pundits. But elections, how they're run, how they're funded, how they're covered by the media, and who votes in them, are critical to the health of American democracy. Something that you might have noticed is in some trouble right now. 2022 Midterms, What's at Stake, a series from the Democracy Group Podcast Network, will go beyond horse race politics to look at some of the deeper issues that could shape American democracy for the next two years and beyond. You'll hear from scholars and other experts from across our network of podcasts devoted to democracy, civic engagement, and civil discourse. Subscribe to 2022 Midterms, What's at Stake, wherever you're listening right now.